This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Our episode today looks at Romans 1, 1 through 7, which functions as Paul's greeting to the churches of Rome. Together, we discuss our identity as slaves for Christ. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizontal Podcast. Back with you this week as we actually have an opportunity to dive into the book of Romans. Um, just as a reminder, uh, last week we looked at Acts chapter 9, verses 19b through 31, uh, which finished up our brief introduction to Saul. Um, and with that passage, we discussed the importance of seeing people through God's eyes. Um, this week, we we are actually going to be moving into Romans, um, as this season is called after, named after. Um, and we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to throw this out there, because I realize over the last couple of weeks, we have been using Saul and Paul interchangeably. And we can use those interchangeably, but it's probably a little confusing to do that. So from this point on, um, we'll just refer to him as Paul. Um, just so you know, we're talking about the same guy that had that encounter with with Jesus in Acts that we did talk about the last two weeks. Um, so uh, like I said, we'll be in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and this section, this this set of verses, functions as Paul's greeting uh, to the churches of Rome. And I believe today we have Natasha reading for us. So, Tosh, would you read Romans 1, 1 to 7? Yes. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Thank you for reading that for us. Um, let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, what, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts as we enter into this conversation of Romans? So right from the beginning, I think it's important because we are looking at a letter and we haven't really done this before on the podcast. Um, and so kind of understanding a little bit about the historical context. When you're writing a letter, you're usually writing it to someone and it's coming from somebody. We've talked a lot about the from, who it's from. So it's from Paul, um, which is why we spent a couple of weeks on Paul's backstory. So that way we can understand some of the context that has helped to shape and form a lot of what we're going to then begin to read throughout the rest of his letter. And this letter is written to the church at Rome, Uh, which would have included both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Mm -hmm. And that's going to bring up a whole complexity of issues that will arise and we'll discuss as we move through this letter. 
Um, but the other th important things to remember would be that Paul wrote this actually more towards the end of his ministry. And so we, we've made a big jump from where we were last week when we right. talked about Acts yeah. to where Paul is actually at the place of writing this letter. Uh, scholars estimate that this letter was probably written sometime between 57 and 59 AD during Paul's third missionary journey. So his third and really his final missionary journey. Um, and that he probably wrote it from Corinth. And so we've, we, we have looked some, well, if you're a little bit familiar, I guess, with the Bible, you maybe have heard of some letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. So first and second Corinthians. And so the church that's located there in Corinth, those would have been the people that Paul was spending time with as he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. And he kind of outlines a whole lot of things um, for them because this is a people that is kind of unique in the sense that Paul hasn't been to Rome at this right. point to, to plant this church um, or to oversee this church, um, which is unique because most of the other letters we have from Paul, he actually was the initial planter of that church. He was there kind of at their, their birth and, and with them walking with them, from the beginning. And this church in Rome is very different in that Paul doesn't really have that kind of authority or rapport with them in that same way. And so he's going to spend some extra time laying out his, his theology um, to kind of one gain a little bit of, I guess, credence with them, uh, with his audience. And then also um, to, to make sure that they understand truly who he is and that, you know, they've probably heard some about Paul. And so to, um, kind of affirm that he is all of these things that they have heard and that he is on their side and they would do well to partner together to further God's kingdom through this gospel message. Another thing that, that really, um, that I noticed right off the bat was Paul establishing who he is. Um, he starts out by, by recognizing that he is a servant of Christ while it says servant in the NIV, like as I was studying it out, it, it's really um, slave. And so he he's talking about this relationship that he has with Christ, that he is in this uh, master-servant type relationship, master-slave relationship, and he feels where he is in this position because of what we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, this encounter that he has. He is enslaved to Christ in this mission that he's called him to. And so he, he first addresses himself as a servant or slave and talks about this call to be an apostle. It wasn't a call that he placed on his, his own life. It was a call that God placed on him. And so he is walking in this obedience and trying to lay that out before the church in Rome, a church that doesn't know him, that may have heard of him, but they don't know him. And so in addressing them, he comes from a position of humility so that this letter that he writes doesn't fall on deaf ears. And so he comes in addressing who he is in Christ and what God's called him to and what Christ has called him to in this mission, this journey, um, this opportunity to share in the gospel that he begins to to lay out what that gospel message is before them. Yeah, I think this, um, this word servant in the NIV or slave, um, or I, I think... In NASB, it says bond servant. Um, this word uh, probably doesn't set well with most of us today. It, it would have resonated with um, the 
the people in Rome, the church in Rome, uh, in a sense, because um, I believe Derek, you had said previously before we got on on air, it was like a third of yeah, Rome, approximately a third of the people in in Rome were slaves. So they would have understood this 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 what he's introducing through this statement of being a slave of Christ. Right. So so you have people hearing what he's saying and and they know exactly what he's talking about. Um, and I think that this, this identification of himself as a slave is, is important. Um, because as you said, Derek, he's not making a claim, anything that he has done right up to this. Well, not up to this point, but like last week up to that point, everything in his life that he had like accomplished was because it was him that did it. Like it was him working. It was him memorizing. It was him being able to regurgitate information to move up in the ranks of the Pharisees. And now this position that he is operating from, it's not a position that he has worked himself into. Right. It is, it is a position that he has been called to. It is a position that he is serving in. Like he is not, looking at this as an opportunity to be a Lord, but to be the slave to the Lord. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's an important thing um, for him to establish in his rapport with these people that he's going to be talking to about some pretty um, intricate and important theological concepts as time goes on throughout this letter. Um, the other thing that, I, I guess an observation that I make about this word slave is, uh, I mean, yes, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Yes, he was blinded and he was called to follow Jesus. But just like we talked about previously, like he had a choice to make. He could have said no and gone a different direction. We, in fact, throughout the gospel, you you see that sometimes that is somebody's answer. Like uh, I think of the rich young ruler who said, you know, um, what is it going to take? And Jesus's response is sell everything and follow me. And he goes away sad because he has so much stuff. Like he, he, his decision was to not follow. So in the same way, Paul had this opportunity, had this decision to make and his choice was I'm going to follow. And so I, I think this word slave, um, it could be misunderstood in the sense of like Jesus is forcing him to do it. Jesus isn't forcing him to do it, but this is more a posture of Paul's heart where it's like, because of the magnitude of what Jesus has done for me, I don't see any other option in my life, but to respond in service to him. Not that he couldn't do it. Like he, he could respond differently, but for, for Paul, like I am, I am choosing the life of servitude because of who Jesus is and what he has done. Which really highlights just how important it, it was that Ananias and Barnabas did what God asked them to do. Because, because, uh, because of what they did, Paul sees what it means to be obedient yeah. to the will of God. And without, like, I don't want to say that, like, my obedience relies on someone else's. But there is an element of other the obedience of others being important in what God is calling me to and to do, and so really we see his heart 
I feel like we see this change that took place on the road to Damascus right here for Paul. Like we see it in the first, in this first sentence in this letter, recognizing that he is this slave, not because of anything other than he desires to be obedient because of what Jesus has done. And so we see that, and this call to be an apostle is just, it's just falling in line with that obedience of what God has called him to. You know, I think about, so we're reading an introduction, right? And as I think about introductions in general and my own introductions, I wonder, I don't know, I'm reflecting, I guess, on if my introduction is always the same. Natasha, a slave of Christ Jesus. Hmm. Or is it Natasha, a teacher? Natasha, a pastor? Natasha, you know, a, for a while, you know, a soccer player or a biochemist or, you know, just the way that we identify, there's so many identifiers around us. Yeah. And what is, what is the primary identifier? And for Paul, he could have put apostle first. Like you, you pointed out, Derek, he could have said, I'm an apostle. I've been sent by the, by, you know, the 12 in Jerusalem. They, they give me authority but he doesn't. He says, I'm a slave to Christ. And that's my number one. That's my best credential. And I'm putting it first. And I feel like for me, I think that's, that's a moment by moment struggle to remember who I am, like what my real and true identity really should be all the time. And that I don't, while I'm, I'm living out my life wearing various hats this identity of me first as a slave for Jesus Christ, that's first. Mm. It trumps everything else. Yeah, I remember um, this was years ago uh, at one of the churches that um, that we were at. Um, a, a An individual was brought in for some kind of conference. I don't even remember ex- exactly what it was. But he walked us through this exercise where he asked us the question, who are you? And people would respond who they were. They'd give a name. Oftentimes they'd give an occupation or something like that. There's some kind of descriptor associated with who they were. And every time he was like, no, 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 no. Who are you? Like at the core of who you are, where does your identity lie? And people still kept like, searching for what he was looking for. And ultimately he was like, there's one identity that holds us all together in this room. And that's the identity that matters the most. And he, and he began to talk about how, like when we identify ourselves, the most important identity we have is the one that is rooted in Jesus, which is what Paul is doing here. He is rooting his identity in Jesus. And it, it is, it is so easy to get caught up in the other things, right? Because those are more descriptive depending on the situation that we find ourselves in and the people we find ourselves talking to. But when we answer anything but like rooting our identity in Jesus, we begin to inadvertently identify those things as more important delineating factors in our life. Hmm. And maybe it sounds a little cheesy, I don't know, but 
ultimately just like Paul identifies here and, and like you pointed out, Natasha, like this should be the identity that matters, period. And it should be the identity that is over any and every other identity that we might hold, any other like affiliation we may hold, any other uh, association we may be hold on to. And I think that in a day and age where identity is so important, where everybody is working so hard to differentiate themselves as an individual from everything else, from everyone else, as a church, as a people who are seeking to follow Jesus, the most important thing we could do is identify with Jesus. Right. And, you know, this kind of goes off into a lot of different directions. And we have talked about this before on the podcast. But one thing that just came to my mind as I said that was like, so we are a part of the Church of Nazarene. I'm not making any statement on that's like a a bad thing, a good thing. It's just that that is what it is. Like that's part of the identification that we carry. We're, we're members of the church of Nazarene as a church. But I think even within the church, we get so caught up on our identity and we will associate our theology or our doctrine with an individual who is not Jesus. Hmm. And that is what defines us. When the truth is, we need to remember that we're Christians first. Period. Like, we are slaves of Jesus Christ. That is where our identity should lie. Right. And again, when we live in a world that is so consumed with identity, the most important thing the church could do is come together in with the identity of Jesus rather than also be caught up on differentiating ourselves from everybody else. Like we've got to focus on him. Well, and I, I as you were talking, Nick, I, I thought even more about this this opening sentence. And it feels like Paul's just saying, Hey, I, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm a servant first and a leader second. And so I'm going to serve the people I've been called to lead, which is what Jesus did with the disciples. He served the people he That's was right. called to lead. That's right. And Paul is doing the exact same thing. I'm serving the people I'm called to leave, to lead, and so I I serve Christ, and par, and part of that serving Him means that in my leadership, I'm going to, in a sense, submit myself to you, and I feel like that's what Paul is establishing. What better way to help people see that you are for them and not against them, than coming from this position of I'm here to serve, just like Jesus was here to serve, and I'm for you. And I'm going to help lead you to where God has called me to lead you. And I think that that thought, that idea is going to be very important as we move forward in the letter to the Romans, as we move forward in understanding the some more of the context of what's going on within the church and some of the divisions that do exist and some of the hard theology that is addressed. Like, I am for you. And I am here to serve you. And it is from that place that I now have this conversation with you because I love you and I care for you. And I'm following, like I'm listening to Jesus as I talk about these things with you. And if we pull that into our context, 
We want to see people changed. Serve the people you're called to lead. Don't, don't lead from the front. Lead from the back. You want to see people's lives changed? Paul wanted to see. He expected to see change. Like if you go to the First Thessalonians and you you look at Paul, what he's saying there, he he comes with this expectation that the people in Thessalonica, that what God has done is going to continue. And I believe that that's what he's expecting and believing for the people in Rome. And so if God's called you to lead, lead from the back and let Jesus be right there with you. You don't have to be in the front to lead. You know, application of this is a whole lot harder than it is to say it. You know, you can say, you know, yes, I'm a servant leader. Yes, I'm a servant leader. But to actually serve people, and that means to be there. And I think we've, we've talked about it before, about being being with people in in hard times. And when you sit there in that uncomfortable where they are, and you you share in what they they're going through that's that's hard but that is that's what servanthood is it's being there when things are really hard and you know pointing towards the way to go in a way that's not boisterous and you know you don't have to be in go ahead and say you, know, you don't have to be at the front of the stage you don't have to be in the front of the boardroom to to make change and, you know, a lot of times it looks like sitting in the uncomfortable and loving people through the uncomfortable stuff. And so we have like established this, this reality that, you know, Paul is, is rooting his identity in Jesus as, as a slave for Jesus. And then identifying also that in association with this, you know, being a slave to Jesus, I, I am serving as an apostle who is, is being sent out. And the next thing that stands out to me, I'm only going to move a couple words down the line here, but this statement of being set apart, um, that, that phrase, um, that word is also stated as like holy, like that's what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart for a specific purpose, for a separate purpose. And, and Paul is identifying that as a result of his identity in Jesus, he now has his mission and his purpose. My identity is a slave for Christ. And as a result of my identity being a slave for Christ, my purpose is to be set apart for the gospel to be spread, for the gospel to be heard, for the gospel to be understood. And then from that point of saying, okay, so identity and from identity, I now have purpose. And then after uh, stating this purpose, he takes a moment and you know for the next number of verses he begins to explain what this gospel is he you know he he does some very key things in the next few verses he establishes that the gospel message is not some brand new thing that just happened but it is something that uh is a is a continuation and in fact culmination of what god has been doing through the history of israel up to this point he uh, identifies Jesus as fully man and fully God, which is foundational and, and critical to who we understand Jesus to be and, and what that means for us subsequently. And, 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 and even identifies the, the resurrection as the validation of Jesus's divinity 
And then he goes on and, and says, okay, so with this gospel reality in mind, with this fact that this is the story we've been working through since the beginning with the reality that, that Jesus is fully man, fully God and has conquered death, right? Like we are now living in the, the new age that, that is breaking in this time where, where God's dominion is, is beginning and death no longer has the final say now that we live in this time, this is what that gospel message is. We, it is not just I who has a, a purpose, but it's us who have a purpose. Well, an equal in the purpose, because we're all called to apostleship. So he established that he was called to be an apostle, and now we're all called to be apostles. So right. nobody's off the hook. So if you have ever thought that you were off the hook because you were not leading in any capacity. This is like Paul's statement of we're all on the hook for carrying out this mission of sharing the gospel. We all have this responsibility if we've been called, um, if we've received this grace that God has given through Christ, then we're all called to do the same thing, continue the gospel. I think that idea, Derek, of like Paul first, you know, recognizing himself slave and then an apostle, like establishing this leadership idea and then moving through the gospel message then says, but this leadership idea is for all of us. Like, I think that is, that is critical. It's critical. It's mission critical for him as we'll see as time goes on, but it's also critical for us. And I think, I think that, you know, you kind of called it out, but it's true. Oftentimes, um, I think the perception exists that like what it means to be Christian is simply to acknowledge Jesus with our lips, like to just say, Jesus, you are Lord. Like that, that means I'm Christian because I say, Jesus, you are Lord. And that's like a confession is a big part of things, but a confession means nothing if obedience doesn't follow. Well, and it may be partial obedience. Cause like we want to, we'll, we'll, want to obey whatever his commands are. Sure. But not his action that he gives for us to, well, or the mission. One of his commands, <laughs> Ma- so Matthew 28 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Well, that was the command was to go and make disciples. So right. like like this this final command that Jesus gives at the end of Matthew is a command that just perpetuates itself and ought to perpetuate itself in our lives and then in the lives of those that we disciple and then the lives of those that they disciple. Like um, one of my mentors says it best, like each one of us, we're not called to make disciples because that is only one generation. We are called to make disciple makers who make disciple makers that make disciple makers. Like this is a perpetual process that we are being invited into. I just wanted to go back really quick to, to your statement about it doesn't stop with confession. It's followed by this obedience, Yeah. but I wanted to clarify if that's okay, that this obedience is, is what comes through having this faith and the obedience doesn't look like perfect action. 
It can look like perfect action, but we're, we're people and we're messy. And so a lot more of the time it looks like perfect heart and the best, the best action that we can, that we can put together. And God's constantly helping us right through his Holy spirit to overcome that and to be better and to be more obedient. But I just want to, wanted to like add a clarifying statement that this confession isn't followed by a perfect obedience and action, but rather a perfect desire in our heart to obey and to be obedient to this person that we, or this being that we've just said is actually Lord, because if he is Lord, if he is King, then now I'm a slave. Right. Exactly. And, and I think, I think that's, thank you. That's perfect. Like, um, obedience, I guess, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, I I think what you were referring to, which is in verse five, where it says obedience that comes from faith, right? Right. Like through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Like this, this isn't necessarily about perfect action. That's not what's being discussed here. Like if we look at Paul and his life after his encounter with Jesus, even though he identifies himself as a slave to Jesus, there's still moments where issues arise. Like, like as a, as a quick example, like there comes a time in his missionary journeys where he parts ways with Barnabas, the very man who stood up for him and vouched for him in front of the disciples that ultimately allowed him to move into his missionary work. Like they, they reach a point where they don't agree and they go their separate ways. Like Jesus prayed that we would be one as him and the father are one in John 17, the high priestly prayer. Like Jesus prayed that. So if that's Jesus's intention, then. Then either Barnabas or Paul missed it. Right. And so, so somebody missed it. And even if only one of them, maybe both probably both of them is what I was going to say, because even if only one of them missed it, the other one ought to be seeking unity, right? And so still be saying, hey, like, come on, let's let's figure this out. Let's come back together. But for them to separate ways, like they probably both missed it. So Paul, the very man who is talking about the, the importance of obedience, identifying himself as a slave, like we can, it doesn't, it doesn't take us very long reading through Acts or the other letters to recognize that, that even Paul doesn't have perfect action following his encounter with Jesus. But... What he does have is a heart that is that is bent on following Jesus, that is bent on obedience, that does work itself out in his life. It's not always perfect, but that is that's his intention. Like that's where he's going for. That's what he's striving for. I like he he says, not that I have fully arrived, but I press on. Like I I make my own body a slave where I am like I'm working out. I I am like a an athlete who is preparing themselves to, to compete in the Olympics. Like he has all of these, these metaphors of, of what this journey of faith looks like. And, and that's what it looks like for him. And yet he still defines it by, I am a slave for Christ. And so he then loops all of those he is talking to here in Rome into that very identity of, that he has given himself when he talks about the importance of obedience. 
when we identify Jesus as Lord, that makes us slave. And he, he is lining that up for the people, the, the Christians in Rome, whether they're Gentile or Jew. He is, he is teeing it up perfectly to say, look, when you call Jesus Lord in your life, you place yourself in the position of slave to Christ. And obedience follows. And like a good disciple maker, he's trying to help others avoid some of those situations that he's run into when his action wasn't perfect. Uh, a great example of what a good teacher does, try to help yep. people avoid the same thing. And so um, knowing that this is later in his journey, he's probably seen a lot of areas where like, man, I missed it there and I missed it there. But thank God through his spirit, he's helping me to see where I missed it so that I can help others you know, avoid those same obstacles. I have like a, I was thinking like you guys were talking about like how Paul is talking, you know, he's saying he's an apostle and then he's telling everybody like you are too. So far too long, I was under the impression that in order to evangelize, all you had to do is invite somebody to church and you invited somebody to church and your job was done. The pastor was going to take care of it. You didn't have to do anything else. Um, but that kind of negates that entire thinking that we are just called to bring people to church. And it's, I, I'm t- I have had better, more meaningful discussions outside of church with people than I ever had with people inside the church. Hmm. That's what I was thinking. And so maybe that's where we find ourselves ending today recognizing that like Paul has established this identity as a slave for Christ. And as a result, this apostleship that he has been called into and then broadening that reality to say, we are all apostles as he's talking to the Romans. Maybe we read Paul's invitation to them and hear his invitation to us. That it's not just the Pauls in our life that are the apostles, but since each and every single one of us who identify Jesus as Lord are slaves to Christ, each and every single one of us are called into this role of apostleship where we have been invited to go to others around us to share in conversation beyond the walls of our church and to help them see and experience the good news of the gospel, not just the good news preached, but the good news lived. So what might it look like for you this week to assume the identity that you have as a slave for Christ and live that good news to those around you. As you journey with us, we recommend purchasing Midweek Meditations, A Journey Through Romans, which is available for purchase on Amazon. Also, be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about the church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org.